Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, January 6th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Tuesday was a busy day for Saudi Arabia. The kingdom has pledged to make significant oil production cuts and ended a serious feud with one of its neighbors. And in the U.S., Congress will today vote to certify Joe Biden as the next U.S. president. Some Republicans plan to block that. We'll take a look at what corporate America is saying and who they're funding. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Oil prices jumped yesterday after Saudi Arabia pledged to slash an extra 1 million barrels a day of production in February and March. The oil market's been roiled by the pandemic's travel restrictions and lockdowns. The Saudi oil minister said the move was meant to support the kingdom's economy and its industry. I asked the FT's senior energy correspondent, Anjali Raval, why else Saudi Arabia is making these cuts. On the one hand, there is a sort of supply-demand fundamentals point that is the backdrop to this decision. But at the same time, something very intriguing happened, which was that Prince Abdulaziz, who is Saudi Arabia's oil minister and the son of the king, he said, actually, this decision was a sovereign political decision. And he said it was taken with the purpose of supporting the country's economy. It was about supporting the economies of colleagues in the OPEC plus group and to support the wider industry. And he was kind of painting this as a picture of some kind of you know, leadership position. Uh, but I guess we have to see what the longer term impact of this decision will be for unity within the group and uh, what it means for sort of the political dynamics within the group. Meanwhile, Russia says it's going to increase its production. What's going on here? So on a complete surface level, it looks like Russia has secured this absolutely huge win. Now, the level of production by which they are going to be increasing is very small in comparison to what Saudi Arabia is going to be cutting. But what this indicates is that until now, Saudi Arabia and Russia had acted in tandem. They'd, they'd been working together and they were the alliance's largest producers. They'd shared equal output targets and they'd helped to end last year's sort of short-lived price war and they'd helped to bring the market into balance. But what we've seen in recent months is that Russia has been very uneasy about prolonging these cuts and wanted to carry on increasing production over time. And it basically looks like a massive win for Russia. And that's what a lot of analysts and traders have been saying. It's unclear why Saudi Arabia would give Russia a win like that, in which case, what does it want in return? FT senior energy correspondent, Anjali Raval. Saudi Arabia has also agreed to reopen its borders with Qatar, ending a major dispute between the two U.S. allies in the Gulf. Saudi Arabia and other Gulf states severed links with Qatar three years ago, saying Doha was supporting Islamist groups and was too close to Iran. The Trump administration has been pressuring them to resolve the rift, which has complicated U.S. efforts to forge an Arab alliance against Iran. And as our Middle East editor, Andrew England, says, the timing is interesting. Saudi Arabia's crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman, does need to earn some credit with the incoming Biden administration. Joe Biden's been critical of human rights record in Saudi Arabia under Prince Mohammed's watch. And this was low-hanging fruit, so the dispute wasn't going anywhere. He had stepped up his efforts to resolve it. And, you know, he can, you know, 
present himself as a peacemaker now. Is there a clear winner here, Andrew? I think it's difficult to say there are winners because Qatar suffered. But clearly Qatar didn't make any concessions on the main demands of Saudi Arabia and the UAE, which included closing down a Turkish military base in Qatar and closing Al Jazeera, the television network. And the embargo showed Qatar that it could be more independent of its neighbours. It opened up new trade uh, routes, particularly with Turkey and Iran. It started producing more products at home. It showed it had the financial clout to support its banking system. So in a way, Qatar emerged slightly more confident. But I just think it shows that there are no winners and there are no, no beneficiaries. It's just been a very damaging period for the region. Thanks, Andrew. Turning now to the political crisis in the U.S., Today, more than 150 Republicans in the U.S. House and Senate plan to oppose the certification of Joe Biden's presidential victory. This rebellion, at the urging of President Trump, has prompted corporate America to speak out, many in defense of the election results. Others are supporting the rebel lawmakers. The FT's U.S. business editor, Andrew Edgecliffe Johnson, has been talking to executives and spoke to me about what he's been finding. So since the start of the week, we've heard from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, the Business Roundtable, and groups representing scores of other prominent company leaders who are warning that this behavior is undermining democracy and economic stability. And they're motivated, I think, in part by the fairly simple desire for Congress to get back to focusing on things like repairing an economy that's been shredded by the COVID-19 pandemic. But the strength of feeling that I've picked up on is pretty striking. The CEOs I've heard from are accusing these elected officials of shameful complicity and playing with fire. One even said that CEOs were scared of the US turning into a banana republic. Right. Uh, But, you know, while business leaders are chastising these Republicans, their wallets tell a different story. What did did you find? Yeah, we looked at who'd been donating to the 13 Republican senators who are threatening not to certify the the election results. And we discovered that between them, they'd received about $2 million from corporate political action committees or PACs. So you have Senator Kelly Loeffler in Georgia, for example, getting about $20,000 from Home Depot. And these are household names like Berkshire Hathaway, FedEx, and UPS. And what's interesting is that in the last couple of days, many CEOs have started to question the return on those investments. They're asking why they're giving money to people who are then going ahead and threatening the stability on which their businesses depend. So there was a fascinating call this week organized by the Yale School of Management with more than 30 CEOs, and they were polled, and 100% said they thought it would be appropriate to contact their lobbyists and send a message that they would no longer keep bankrolling members of Congress who behaved in this way. Right. You know, a political action committee called the Lincoln Project is getting involved. It's a group of Republicans who want to defeat Trump and Trumpism, and they're threatening to publicize companies' political spending. Um, are these efforts going to do anything to change how companies spend or how Republicans conduct themselves? Well, the Lincoln Project is very well funded. It's very social media savvy. It's been very effective at making a lot of noise during the election campaign about President Trump and his party. 
corporate America is not used to having that kind of tactics turned against it. So I think it's going to cause a lot of embarrassment if they do follow through on this. It's the kind of thing that the average board does not want to be dealing with. But I don't think on its own it would have a huge amount of effect if it weren't playing into something of a pre-existing trend. And we have seen a prior trend that higher scrutiny of political contributions tends to, to lead companies to pull back or to think twice about who they're spending money on. But what to watch, I think, is the threat in what the Lincoln Project has said, that they will, in their words, ferment employee rebellions and shareholder revolts over this issue. So I think they have understood the weak spot here in corporate America. Businesses, boards of directors, CEOs are very susceptible to pressure from their employees and their investors. And I think that is the thing to watch now, whether the Lincoln Project and others follow through on that threat and whether it leads to real change. Andrew Edgecliffe-Johnson is the FT's U.S. business editor. Thank you, Edge. My pleasure. And finally, let's look at how much money has flowed into the two big Senate races in Georgia, races that will determine which party controls the U.S. Senate. The final tally, around $400 million has poured into the race between David Perdue and John Ossoff, $300 million in the race between Kelly Loeffler and Raphael Warnock. The total is record-breaking. The FT's Lauren Fedor says Democrats harness the wallets of their base, while Republicans reap the benefits of political action committees, or PACs. So, you know, interestingly enough, in, in this race, the Democrats had a fundraising advantage when it came to the donations to the campaigns themselves. But when you factor in this outside spending, this PAC money, the Republicans really raked it in. A lot of that money came from big donors, names on Wall Street, people like Steve Schwartzman, Ken Griffin, the list goes on. And if you need another indication of how important these races are, both Democrats and Republicans raised funds from all 50 states in this Georgia campaign. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.